Thank you for listening to the Cooler Head Sports Podcast. On this week's episode, Michael and I will discuss the conclusion of the World Series as well as some recent changes for Michael's Rockets. And then with football, we keep it simple. We give you a little bit of good and a little bit of bad that we saw from this past week in college and the NFL. And then we also preview some of the upcoming matchups this week. Don't forget that you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Michael can be found at Mike and Ike 55, M-I-K-E underscore N underscore I-K-E 55. And on Instagram at the same handle, M-I-K-E underscore N underscore I-K-E 55. I can be found on Twitter at cpain 12 and on Instagram at c.pain012. Then, of course, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at CoolerHeadsPod. Uh, don't forget, if you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a review and tell a friend. Hello and welcome to the Cooler Head Sports Podcast. My name is Colin Payne. I'm your host today. With me, as always, is Michael Smith. How are you doing today, Mike? Yo, what's going on, my man, C. Payne? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, coming off of back-to-back ass whoopings of my NFL team by quarterbacks who transferred away from our alma mater, Texas A&M, in both Kyler Murray and Kyle Allen. Um, just been a been a real beating in the NFL since Dak went down, but we're making it. Hey, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's almost like a, a dead beaten horse at this point. So it's, it's see, at least you don't like the Cowboys. You can live with those quarterbacks going on to NFL success and leaving what they could have done at A and M in the in the could have done. And uh, you don't have to worry about them kicking your team's ass, but I did, and that was not fun. <laughs> it's almost like you uh, had those games circled on the schedule. And it's like, like they we had go. those games circled, Mike. It's like they had those games circled. <laughs> they were well, targeting me and every A&M slash Cowboys fan out there. You know, it was funny. I got sent uh, a picture of Kyler Murray and um, – Christian Kirk dapping each other up in uh, A&M uniforms on the field uh, during uh, one of those games. And I was just like, man, like it was during Sunday night football and it did give me a little twinge in the heart. (laughs) It's not fun to see. It was almost like, man, it'd be crazy if one school could have these two guys on one team, like imagine what they could have done. Oh wait, that was us. But anyway, we digress. I'm sorry for your ass beatings, you know, there are some light sides in all of this, and well, let's we're going to be okay. Let's not make any mistakes here. You're definitely joining me in the ass beatings department. 100%. You know, hey, welcome to the club. I know <laughs> the Cowboys think it's their year every year, but welcome to the club of like, oh, wait, you know, we're going to get our ass kicked for I'm a, a while now. I am a bit more cynical. I, I know <laughs> what I'm walking into every year, and I know what I'm – I know the shitstorm I'm weathering right now. But you did not expect that to be this year. So I'm sorry for that. And welcome to the ass whooping club of no expectations for your football team. Let's draft some defense and let's move on to headlines. Uh, Mike, let's start with the Dodgers winning the World Series. Finally getting that monkey off their back. Clayton Kershaw finally getting the monkey off of his back. Very nice to see that. Uh, you know, in general, good to see you guys celebrate a championship when you know it adds to their resume and their legacy guys like Bellinger guys like Turner we'll get to him in a minute guys like Seager and uh, 
it's good to see people move on. And then of course, Mookie, like Mookie, yeah. Mookie grabbing another ring and another uniform. That was really cool to see. I, I did see someone put out into the universe that the Red Sox are about to endure the curse of Mookie bets. Like they did the great Bambino back in the day. We'll see if that happens, but Mike first reactions on the world series. Oh, that's funny. I didn't even think of having making jokes about that curse and them getting rid of Mookie bets. Um, so First and foremost, congratulations. Well-deserved. You are the best team. You've argue, arguably been the best team for the for last the five four years. Yeah, yeah, for the past four or five years, you finally made it happen. You know, theoretically speaking, you guys could – this could be your third or fourth title, but, you know, it's not. I digress. Um, but, anyway, good for them. Happy for them. Not a big fan. Um, you know, happy – like a lot of the guys like you named, like Kershaw, you know, Mookie, um, Seager's cool. Um, you know, Bellinger, you know, good to see Bellinger. Uh, get one. Yeah. Chris yeah. Taylor's like, a guy. Yeah. I like Chris Taylor. He's, he's Chris Taylor's a good, a good guy. guy. Uh, Walker Max Muncy. Max Muncy is so fun to watch. Just Max kind of Muncy is a good man. time to watch. Yeah. Uh, Walker Bueller. He's a fun guy. Um, but yeah, just good, good for any of those guys. Good name for the legacy, name. you know, and not to take away from the Rays, uh, man, Hell of a team they got, and you hope to see them back in this, uh, you know, going forward. They gave it all they got, and they had one hell of a postseason run. But, um, yeah, I got something to say, Colin. What what was Justin Turner doing last night? What ha- what was that? And that's that where the question The man come. tested positive for COVID-19, and they let him on the field without a mask. To and, you know, some may say, I might not say, but some may say that, Testing positive for COVID-19 and going around people is a lot worse than banging on a few trash cans, but I'm not going to be the one to say that. I'll let other people say that for me, even though I did just say it, but you know, other people can say that, (laughs) but you're right. What was he doing? I don't, uh, I mean, just, you had to know the optics. I understand he, I mean, he's going to be a free agent this year. I'm pretty sure. So his last chance with this team and, I mean, being eliminated by the team winning the World Series for the past three years in the Astros, the Red Sox, and then the Nationals in the Diaz last year. But you have to understand the optics. I'm sure today, I'm sure if you asked him today what decision he would have made, he would have made a different decision. But just in the moment, I can understand how you let your emotions get the best of you and you take a risk with other people's well-being. Yeah, you know, if I'm being completely honest, I have no idea how I would act in that situation either. Like, I just exactly. won the freaking World Series. Like, of course, I'm going to celebrate, especially he's asymptomatic, you know, going to go mm-hmm. celebrate with my boys. Mm-hmm. But what's even more interesting, Colin, is no, to my knowledge, please, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but no one knew this was a thing. He got pulled in the eighth inning of game six because of this. Yeah, right? it's something like, a, something I'm, like that. I'm still not 100% clear on all the details. I heard something about they heard about a test in the second inning. And then they were waiting to get a, a confirmation or something. The details of it are all very strange. But the fact that he uh, coming out mid game, it kind of make I kind of wanted to I saw a replay of it on TV today. And I kind of wanted to just keep an eye on when Turner was on camera and seeing who he was in general interacting with. Cause you got to think at least the, the opposing catcher and I think it's Zunino and, uh, and the umpire were definitely within range. And then anybody on third, I don't think he got on base last night, but I mean, it, it is, you're right. It's interesting. 
to think about how that was that call was made in the middle of the game. And it was, I don't know, cover up might be a, a an aggressive term, but you know, handled, and nobody knew about it until after the whole thing was over, which is probably, if we're being honest, the best way to go about it. But it is a pandemic. It is a global crisis. So maybe not, who knows, but you know, hopefully, hopefully everything ends up okay. And he ends up okay. And everyone on the team test pot, you know, like all that jazz blah, blah, but it was interesting to see. I heard um, they were keeping guys in Arlington on both teams until everybody tested out. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they are, man. I gotta be honest with you. I thought Globe Life Park looked pretty good. I, I was, I liked it. The optics from the outside, the optics from the inside, the light. I mean, it looks cool. It was getting some p- complaints as a pitcher's park early on in the postseason, and that died down pretty quick. It looked pretty good. It looks a lot like Minute Maid, of and course. those jokes have been made all over the place. But yeah, it it looked fine. I was happy with it. I was. I was. I was very content. I was, I was, I had the thought of like, all right, like, I don't need to make fun of this stadium anymore kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And at night, that, uh, at night, that aluminum top looks a lot looks less cool. bright. It looks, it looks a lot less bright. Shiny. And then the Globe Life Park is lit up and stuff. It looks pretty cool and everything. And then, of so, course, yeah. the old stadium across the street. That's, it's, it's a nice setup they got there in Arlington, having experienced it a few times. Definitely. I can't wait to go see it myself. Uh, of course, got to talk about the Rays a little bit. Would be remiss if we did not mention Randy Arozarena. Just all around, I think. All kinds of records as a rookie. Obviously, postseason MVP, if you label something like that. Um, oh, Corey Seager, World Series MVP, correct? Correct, yeah. He, correct. Got, he was the first shortstop to win it in – Sometime, I believe. Let me let me double check that. There has been time in between this time a shortstop has won it and the last time a shortstop has won it. Correct. There's been time in between that. That's crazy. <laughs> okay, Colin. I'm I'm just joking around. I wouldn't have been able to pull that. Uh, but okay, congratulations to him. He gets a new car. That's nice. Good for him. We can all use a new car, but you know. It's the fun. last thing I really want to talk about here is the pitching decision to make that change what were your thoughts on that uh very uh zach grinky game seven reminiscent last year's world series of too early man you got to ride the you he he had thrown what 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 inning was it six or seventh inning probably the fifth or sixth he had thrown 73 pitches on and allowed two hits. Like six. It the, was a six, probably. The guy was dealing, and he was visibly pissed off. Like that's very not the visibly. first time he showed him. He that happened against the Astros, where he showed some visible emotion of of why am I don't, coming out of this game here? I don't blame him, man. Like you, you and I had this discussion last night during the game of like, hey, we understand the analytics age era of baseball that we are living in right now. That's fine. It's obviously proved very successful for a lot of teams, but there needs to be a balance between old school baseball and new school baseball. And this exact example is old school baseball of you need to ride with your guy and be willing to live with the consequences, no matter which way it, you know, it falls, whether it, it 
you end up winning the game or losing the game because of it. Like, ride with your guy. Like, he's your ace. He's your Cy Young win. Like, that's your guy. This is a weird analogy, and as someone who knows very little about music, I'm sorry if this is completely wrong, but it feels like trying to take the structure of an orchestra into like a freestyle jazz band, right? If you've got to have some room for improvisation, just in baseball in general, like you can't, you can't make decisions based solely off of numbers. You know, there has to be some instinct there. Correct. Like you got to ride with some, you got to ride with your, some gut feelings or some vibes or, Hey, if you're, if you come out to the mound and your pitcher's like, dude, I got this, like, trust me, like, blah, 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 blah. Like, no, obviously there's some like rookie pitcher. Okay, fine. But like, that's your, that's your number one. Right. Mm-hmm. And if he's like, yo coach, like I got this, you have to, you have to know in your heart of hearts that like, he's about to give you everything he has and you need to be willing to live with that. You can't in a post game press conference, be like, Oh, the analytics and get off the hook. Like, no, you pulled him too soon. It I mean, is what it is. And analytics aside, I would just be saying, like, if I'm Kevin Cash sitting in the dugout thinking about this, I'm thinking in my head, which decision is going to get me less shit tomorrow? Is it going to be pulling the guy who is throwing a gym right now, or is it going to be keeping him in there and him unfortunately giving up a run? Which one's which one are you going to get criticized more for at the end of the day? You pull him in the reliever yeah. gets shelled, or you keep him in there and he gets shelled. I think you get more criticism if you pull if you pull him. Correct, right? and he that's yeah. exactly what he's getting. Like if if you if you if we were sitting here today being like, man, Blake Snell was pitching a gym and he just got into a little bit of trouble in the six and it ended up costing him a run, and that run was the end you know, by the end of the game, it was the difference. I would have been like, damn, hard fought game, one run baseball game, game seven of the world series, like good game all around type thing. But you pull him and the reliever gives up what three, like off the bat or whatever it was like, come on, bro. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of those runs was still credited to Snell because it was the guy who got on base, but still at the same time, it was just – it was, like you said, just pretty much instant. Yeah. I mean, we'll never know. Just like last year with, with Grinky, man, he was dealing, and we'll never know how that game would have ended up. But. Yeah. I mean, the Rays didn't do a whole lot offensively, but still. Dave Roberts getting his World Series after him coming up just short so many years and then that organization – toying with the idea of getting rid of him for them to stick with him and him to get that win. Finally. I like that. I love that. Definitely. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with, I'm, I'm, I'm happy and congratulations to Dave Roberts. He's a good manager. Clearly he knows what he's doing and then props to the front office for sticking with him. Last note that I did have on the world series. um, I'm sure everyone saw this infographic and I'm sure you saw it as well, but Kevin cash, he's the first person ever to play in a Little League World Series, play in a College World Series. He played in two at Florida State, 98 and 99, and now he managed a World Series. Kind of cool stat. Kind of a cool stat. And I think he was on like a 40-man for a World Series during his playing career, but he wasn't ever near the field too. Um, but that's, that's pretty cool. I did not see that stat. Mm-hmm. Yep. He played in the Little League, 
played in the college twice. Now he's managed on Major League World Series. So hopefully one, you know, the first of many more to come. I like the guy. So. Well, moving on from two successful teams to two teams that are in a bit of a flux here. Daryl Morey moving on to the Clippers and the Rockets hired, what, Mike, some Mavs assistant? So, yeah, some Mavs assistant is a good way to put it. Um, I'm sure the guy is great, and he, the Mavs, are obviously become very successful, and I've heard that he's a great coach, but, like, wow, Tillman. Steven Silas. That was very, that was very flashy of you. You just – you stifled your revolutionary general manager in terms of the basketball world. You muffled – you muzzled him for so long that he was like, screw this, I'm out. Like, dude, like Daryl Morey is the sole reason the Rockets are in the position that they are right now. And it's – I just – Oh, Colin, you're a Cowboys fan, and I know that. But I have three Houston teams. Now, granted, the Astros, the Astros. But I have three Houston teams that are just not where they need to be right now. And so you have hard. two Houston teams that are not where they need to be right now. Astros uh, still in the air right now. We'll see how that one plays out. And – I just it's hard, man. It's hard it's hard to watch. I don't I, mind this a, movie. I, as a, I don't I mind as this a, movie. Okay. Go for it. You speak first. I was gonna say, I as a fan don't mind if I can I can I can get over hey, it just didn't happen tonight on the court or on the field, right? It just didn't happen. We didn't make the catches or we didn't make the shots or we called whatever it is. But like when you implode from a front office standpoint, it's like, what are we doing? Like, come on, bro. When the era doesn't produce a championship, when the tenure does not produce the success desired, you're right. It is very, it's very sad. Like this Astros run we've had, we've expected multiple championships from this team since 17 gotten close, but you're right. Coming up short all those times when you feel like they should have been in there more is sad. But we got that one. I will say this. I will say this. I like this for – I like this coaching choice for the players because Harden and Westbrook are just both two pretty much freestyle players. You know, Mm -hmm. they're ISO guys. They're not – they don't need a triangle offense, it feels like. You know, they don't need an offense where working the ball around is a huge thing. They can succeed on their own sometimes. I don't know what this guy brings in or tries to do, but given the way we've heard coaches talked about lately, I'm talking about the Kyrie comments about Steve Nash, how we don't really need a coach. We don't need him to coach us, blah, blah, blah. I really think all that is going to pick up steam here in the next few years, and it's going to become even more of a player-centric league. And so your coach not being – this huge name is not a big deal. I think losing Daryl Morey hurts more than not getting your ideal coaching candidate. I agree. I can agree with that. Um, Just because Daryl Morey was the glue that held it all together. Kind yes. Of thing, you know, like, yeah. He and seemed clearly, to be the stabilizing aspect of it, despite. And he was the one anything. that was, he was a, he was the one, you know, uh, facilitating these like great trades and these great deals and these movings and here and there and blah, 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 blah. 
Now, granted, I'm sure some, you know, there's been some questionable ones, whatever, everyone has questionable decisions, but, you know, I, I, you know what, Colin, I appreciate that. I actually am going to take a step off the ledge on the not flashy coaching hiring because, you know, it's fun to watch us shoot up 83 is a game, but maybe this coach can come in and be like, Hey, let's just tweak it a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. And then still everyone be their freestyle type of thing. But like this guy's young, this guy's coming from a Luca offense. Maybe he's got something, you know, he, that he brings to the table and we can turn our freestyle type of play into just tweak it a little bit into something better. So who knows? We'll see. But I'm on the flip side of it, Mike, how much do you think, the struggling restaurant and tourism business through the pandemic is hurting Tillman Fertitta in his decision to let Daryl Mari walk and get a, for lack of a better word, budget new coach. I'm sure it has something to do with it. I don't know how much, but, but it's also not like the coaches are making a good billion dollars like the players are. Or the GMs, you know? He's costing you less than D'Antoni is what I'm saying. Like, you know, yeah, he's costing fair. you less than the big names. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I feel like that might be playing a bit of a factor here. To where so? he can kind of just restructure without letting any of the big names go. Specifically Harden. I mean, if Russ, if Wes, if Russ doesn't work out in Houston, I wouldn't be surprised if he's moved this year. Yeah, as long as we keep Harden, I mean, it, this, it, he's it's really the only one you're truly worried about keeping. Yeah, I'm have. I don't think we've hired another GM yet, have we? I'm I haven't sure. heard anything about it yet. Um, I'm sure we would get some kind of notification if. Yeah, if and I mean, happen. On a different note, like Daryl Morey going to the Clippers. I mean, it's another. One of those, man, it's got to be the Clippers here. Ty Lue? They're going to win it all. Ty Lue, the head coach in I LA, believe, too? Let me, hold on, let me double check real quick. But um, if Daryl Morey can, can figure it out in, in LA, which I feel like he's probably, you know, Colin, and this is kind of the comment that I made earlier about him getting muzzled, but man, he was probably just burnt out. He's, he's been in Houston for over, like, t he's like 10 or 15 years or something like that. He's probably just burned out, man. Steve Ballmer yeah. seems like he's easier to work for than Tillman. Probably. Also. You see that roster, and you see the obvious question there is if Ty Lu will... is their coach. Ty Lu is their coach. Nice. Ty Lu, so Ty Lu's a coach in L.A. The obvious question when I look at the Clippers roster from a GM standpoint is, do you try to move Paul George? Because that starts that talk started happening during the playoffs when all the playoff piece stuff was going on. No, I think I think you let this COVID season give an asterisk to it, get a full off season in, give it another like solid front to back year, and see where it goes. In my personal, well, I mean, opinion. you got the you yeah, it's pretty much just the playoffs where things change. But I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I think I think I don't think you may, I don't think you make your decision based off of this. I mean, it's not to say that he didn't have a very disappointing playoffs, but I don't know. It's, everything's just different, you know. True. Nonetheless, it will be interesting to see who Daryl Morey decides to surround the the power couple there in L.A. 
Definitely. And, you know, if his track record says anything, he'll probably do it the correct way. And man, as a Rockets fan, I'm just going to hope this one plays out. You know, I, I hope this isn't the start of something, like you said, just budgeting and mm-hmm. being a lackluster team and being like, well, we tried and it didn't work out. So we're going to quote unquote, yeah. start our rebuild. Like, I just hope that doesn't happen. So. Or, Daryl Morey could stack the Clippers roster with guys under six nine, and then y'all could finally get someone over seven foot on yours. So, you know that could happen. Yay, too. small ball. <laughs> Yay. Well, let's small move ball. on to the NFL then, Michael. Let's get your mind off of things. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. We're talking about good stuff, Mike. What, what something in the NFL that was good, that was happy, positive, made you feel good about yourself, all fuzzy inside. You know, man. What'd you have there? My boy. My boy, Cliff Bar Kling- Kingsbury, is he really making it happen in Arizona? I'm pumped to see the Cardinals doing so well. It looks really good. I always hesitate to take the leap when it comes to these new experiments in the NFL working out. But considering you get your first signature win, granted it was an OT, had some funky stuff going on there at the end. But considering you get your signature win against a team that is, by all means, looking like the best team in the NFL so far, it, you're a big dog. You look like a big dog. Absolutely. It, they look and real. They look real. I th- you know, I think that, like you said, this kind of new experiment of, you know, the Kyler Murray and bringing in a star receiver, their defense needs some work, but, you know, the young, hot coach and things like that, I think – Wins like this, and this this has this is super cliche, and it's, it's been said a thousand times. But like in a young tenure, wins like this really change that locker room and really put some belief into the team of like, hey, like we belong here. We're supposed to be here. We're pros as well. But um, you know, as you mentioned, they beat the Seahawks thirty-seven to thirty-four uh, in a primetime game. You know, it wasn't just a noon kickoff on you know lost on the CBS regional channel. Um, no, we do have time. to say, though, the Seahawks defense has been struggling a bit this year. That's fair, but, you know, I guess this is our first time of seeing Russ not being able to, you know, pull a rabbit out of his ass. And but, dude, he did. It he did, though. He, he did. did. He, no, 100%. He had such a good game, that game. 100%. But, uh, you know, the Cardinals' only lead that game was the game-winning kick. Um, yeah. The Seahawks were in control that entire time. Zane Gonzalez, their kicker, played the hero as he made the kick to tie it at the end of the regulation. Then he misses the game-winning kick in OT. Then he makes the game-winning kick Redemption. In OT. Absolute redemption. You know, Kyler Murray got interviewed at the end of the game, and he, they said that they completely had his back. And, you know, obviously the defense was tired, but, you know, everyone had, had Zane's back and said, hey, you know, don't worry about it. We got you. And they made it happen. And, man, the Cardinals are 5-2, and two, Colin. That entire division is kicking ass and taking names. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it last week, and Cardinals head into the bye weekend on 5-2. and two. A really cool thing to see during that game is that the actual Terminator plays for the Seattle Seahawks, too. Did you see that guy running 30 miles an hour to catch the defensive back that got an interception? Oh, to catch uh, Buda Baker, DK Metcalf? Yeah, to Metcalf. catch Buda Baker, there you go. Oh, DK Metcalf, man. He's the Terminator. He, he is, is the, the Terminator. Terminator. This is his second year in the league. That guy's going to be a freaking superstar one day. 
There were plays in Miles Garrett's career at A&M where he was just faster than a lot of the guys, and it didn't show that much because of the talent that was on the field in the games yeah. that they were playing against. So he would, he would do things like catch up 10 yards to a guy full sprint downfield. I've never seen it like that in the NFL. And then you consider it was on a defensive back who is one of the fastest positions on the field. That that was fascinating. And then throw on and DK, top of it. you know, and he's he's a big dude. I mean, granted, he's like one percent body fat, but he's huge. Oh yeah. That and then on top huge. of that though, saved a touchdown on that play and then saved three points since they went for it on fourth down and didn't get it. But oh well. Still hey, lost. Still a loss, but I'm happy. I'm happy to see the Cardinals rolling right now. Um when they brought Cliff in, you know, obviously, obviously, you kind of want everyone to succeed, but I wanted, uh, I wanted him to kind of work out. Um, I was happy to see Kyler get his stardom, and you know, good for them getting DeAndre. You know, it just seems like they're they're really putting it together of like, hey, we can do this, and it makes me feel good, man. It makes me feel good. Yeah, I mean, and also. You got to mention the defense getting three picks against Russ. That's always nice to see. Um, from from a defensive standpoint, the most the guy who's been getting all the hype this year, who's supposedly the, the front runner for the MVP. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously, I don't think this is any knock on Russell Wilson. Like every quarterback in every season is going to have a you know a game or two where but it's not like he threw through he, he it's threw. not like it was that off of a game though no it was still had 300 yards three tds he it was just a solid football game i mean it's very just good back and game. forth and that's the stuff i like to see so what about you colin what makes you feel good in the nfl this week it was not as good of a football game but the tampa bay buccaneers Talk about a team that's showing you they're the real deal. We talked last week about how this Tom experiment in Tampa is looking like it's working out, and that just exponentially grew this weekend. I mean, Tom, 369, four TDs, got a QB sneak rushing touchdown in there. And then, of course, as Tom Brady usually does, finds a small white receiver in Scotty Miller, 109 yards, one touchdown. This dude's 5'9", 174 at a Bowling Green, second-year player. So what, another Julian Edelman? <laughs> another, yeah, it's it's like his Tampa Bay version of Wes Welker. It's it's great to see. Great to see him find guys. And then, of course, Gronk showing out uh, once again, second week in a row with a touchdown, 62 yards. To go from Gronkowski, who looked malnourished and dealing with some mental issues when he was uh, – He's kind of like fighting back tears in that interview. Do you remember this? Kind of maybe a year ago or so. I think I do. Yeah. When he was talking about like I hated football towards yeah. the end. I to see that. him get back to this new version of himself in Tampa and starting to contribute more and really enjoying himself on the field. I'm I'm loving that because Gronk having a good time is just fun to watch. That that is an excellent an excellent point of it just makes the NFL more fun and more enjoyable and more you know you want to pay attention to it when Gronk's Gronk spiking balls and laughing and talking you know talking trash and giving funny interviews and things like that it's great to see and and we did talk about it last week that it really seems like the Tampa Bay offense is really clicking now which 
is so cool to see. I mean, since I believe it was something like since week two or three, Tom Brady leads the league in like yards, touchdowns, all this, like all the passing stats. So, I mean, the man's going off. Clearly he needs, you know, when he gets weapons, he utilizes them correctly. Um, Bruce Arians, you know, offensive guru. And not to mention Colin, they just signed Antonio Brown. Well, That'll be yet. We'll wait to see if that works I'm out. I'm interested to see how that works out. I'm interested. I don't as well. know how that's going to work out. I'm not sold on it because of his past. In the you know, oh, we'll sign him for a year. We'll sign him for a year, and it never works out. Mm-hmm. But hey, I mean, you can't deny the talent that he brings to the table. The best defense for this move that I've seen is that it's COVID insurance. Like, say you got two or more, like you got Godwin and Evans, Scotty Miller, Gronk, OJ Howard, whoever. Say you got more than one target that is out with COVID in any given week. To have Antonio Brown in the locker room is not the worst thing. Definitely not. You just hope he can keep it together mentally and and with his antics and things like that. And who knows, man, like – I don't know if it was agent talk, but I heard somebody saying he was doing better. But who knows? We'll see it when we see That's it. That's good. And I'm, from what I can remember, um, I, I'm pretty sure Brady was hap- was excited to have him in New England and said that, you know, they – I think they clicked well during practice. I could be remembering this totally wrong. No, they – yeah, they but, were – they were – He Brady was pissed when they had to let him go. Yeah. So, I, he's – Brady's probably, probably pumped to get yet another weapon – um, and and plug them into the offense, and we'll see what happens. I mean, clearly they're rolling, so I don't know if this can really hurt them. So, no, I agree, I agree. And you know, Brady's not going to be the one to let Antonio Brown like run the show. Like he's going to put him in his place. So, and then also, you know, taking on the Giants next week, it's just going to get better for them as far as Jesus. that goes. Jesus, yikes. Mike, there were things that made me feel very, very bad this weekend, and that is the state of the NFL teams in our great state of Texas. Whew, not a good weekend. Not a good weekend to be a Texas football fan in general. We'll start with the Texans because I got a few things to say. I don't have that many things to say, actually. Whatever. We'll start with the Texans just because I don't want to talk about the Cowboys right now. Um, at least they scored. At least the offense looked nice. You know, you got a bit Colin, of a silver was, lining with Colin, your ass. It was twenty-eight to three at one point. Twenty-eight to nothing at one point. That score is a lot closer than that game look was. It was twenty-eight to nothing at one point. I believe so. That means you outscored them twenty to seven down the stretch. That's all. Oh, I mean. Whatever, dude. I don't even. I don't even care anymore. I mean, you know, Deshaun had two touchdowns. Rogers threw for four. It looks like Devontae Adams went off for a. You know, an insane day with 200 yards, two TDs. I mean, Colin, this game was so bad. And this team is so pathetic that the J.J. Watt rumors have started. The trade rumors have started. Now, we have speculated for a very long time, but the official, you know, I think it's Adam Schefter rumors, like the official rumors, things have started. Like, I know the Packers are interested because that's where he's from. I know the Seahawks are interested. Can you imagine if J.J. Watt with the Seahawks? They would be Super Bowl, Super Bowl favorites in a heartbeat. Like, I feel like the Steelers are automatically interested. They want course, the whole set. They want the whole set. I, w- I would too. But, I mean, I, I don't blame the guy if he wants out. 
And it just sucks. He's time, doing so man. much. Huh? It's just time. Like, he's, there's been the injury thing on and off, on and off. When, he can, when he's there, yeah, he's contributing and doing great, but it's not nearly frequent enough as far as his health goes for how much he's being paid. He's got the legacy card in Houston at this point to where if he leaves, even if it's on his own account, he's not getting booed in that city ever. Like, he's just to that point in his career. He's in that Brady stage. Granted, the age is different, but it's just the injuries. The longevity is different for him. He's yeah. in that Brady phase of his career. He's in that Peyton Manning to the Broncos phase of his career. He needs to go somewhere, hunt a ring for a few years, and then call it. I don't disagree with you, and it's really going to suck to see him go, but it's, I've already, it's, I've already the, considered it's going to happen because I would leave if mm-hmm. I were him. And for the, past, I mean? two, for the past two years, it's been transitioning to Deshaun's franchise, right? Like, Yeah. That's how it's felt. But it's nice to have a, you know, your, your centerpiece on defense as well. It is. We just don't have that. It is, but it's just not working out, and it hasn't worked out. And I think you could, you could do more allocating that salary somewhere else. That's all I'm saying. Is yeah, no, I just I, with, agree, I agree with you, but it just yeah. sucks to talk about. It does. It does. He's because he's, we're just getting he's a hero getting, that's a hundred percent. He's a hero, and he will forever be loved. And I mean, I'm sitting underneath a signed. J.J. Watt framed jersey right now. I mean, nothing but love for the guy, and I wish him nothing. But it's just like, man, I'm tired of watching. You know, Colin, there are – and I know you know this, and people listening know this. Yes, you don't want to watch your team get pummeled. There are certain players you don't want to watch get pummeled. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's players you want to succeed. You know, obviously you don't wish like negatively on, on – I hope you don't wish negatively on, on anybody. But J.J. Watt is one of those guys where it's like, I don't like to see 35 points scored against his defense. Have you seen his post-game interviews? Dude, he's he's, he's – He's dejected. He's beaten down to giving one-word answers. Yeah, and that's not him. That's never been him. He's it's always been, been the talky guy. And it just it, – it, it pains my heart. It pains my heart. Now, granted, different situation. I understand that. But it, it, this pains my heart like it pained your heart when Dak went down. It just, I feel that. It just sucks. It does. You know? It does. It just sucks. And from a Texan standpoint, like, I just – I don't fucking care anymore. But I care about JJ and I care about Deshaun and I want them to – last a very long time in this league because they're legendary talents. But um, your boy, Andy Dalton, got freaking knocked unconscious. Oh, yeah, I missed that. <laughs> I missed that. Yeah, Andy Dalton did get Looney Tune knocked out there for a little bit. That was not fun to watch. Yeah, of course, Cowboys losing to football team 25-3. to <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just hilarious. They lost to a football team. Like the irony. That's what I said. That's what I, said. I, I know. I sent that out to like everyone. I was like, it was, I don't know, 14, nothing at that point. And I was like, we're going to get beat by a team. that Doesn't even have a damn mascot. What is going on? Oh, and, my goodness. Uh, we had to experience uh, the nooch 
Danucci coming in. Oh my god! Doing absolutely nothing. Hey, shout out Kyle Allen. Shout out Kyle Allen. Thank Made you. him yeah. look like a first round draft pick. Awesome, great. <laughs> That's oh nice. goodness, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't be laughing because you didn't laugh at my Texan struggles. I apologize. I did on the inside, but I on did laugh. The inside. What? Whatever. Well, it's just the Cowboys thing is killing me, man. This, That's fine. Hey, I'll. I'll you're talking about you wasting up. talent, though. You're talking about wasting talent. Um, the receivers alone. And Zeke, can you hold on to the damn ball, dude? How many more times did he fumble? He did. Uh, well, okay, he didn't fumble this time. He dropped a pass that was intercepted. Yikes! It was, and it was like a hit you in the chest. Well, I think it might have been a little behind it, but still should have been caught. And it was like he didn't even, like, let it fall. He, like, popped it up. It like, dude, I don't even know. I, Dude, you, okay, here's another thing. I was listening to one of, like, the post-game shows or whatever it was. I don't know. It was Sunday Night in America before the Seahawks game. doesn't matter. Man, you got – I mean, I understand. I understand. Andy Dalton is a backup quarterback. That's fine. Okay, put that on the shelf. Any other quarterback in the – like, that team does not look like they are playing together or playing for one another because you see any other quarterback, whether they're the first string, whether that was Dak or, you know, Deshaun or Aaron Rodgers or even a backup, get popped like that, on pure instinct alone, someone is getting in that defender's face. Just on pure instinct, on a pure team standpoint alone, someone's getting in his face, being like – Absolutely not. No one even freaking blinked an eye, Colin. I agree with that. And you know who I don't want complaining about that publicly? The fucking head coach. I don't want to hear that publicly from the head coach because that's ultimately on you. Yeah, 100%. That, like, Mike McCarthy was like so disappointed in, his, in calling his players out in the media. But that is something that makes them that hate is you more. on the head coach. That is your environment you are creating there that is – careless that's on you to change the culture at this point if you have a problem with that culture so quit complaining about it publicly unless you're seeing that as a way to get people you know light a fire under somebody but still that's on the head coach that's uh, i agree i'm right there with you like i heard him say I'm that more, and I was no, like, i'm more mad about him his reaction to it in the media because it's like it's like that's you man yeah like that is a it's almost like the phrase um dogs are a perfect or are a reflection of their owners sorry that i don't i don't want to compare nfl players to dogs like and sorry that was a bad comparison but the figure of speech you understand what i'm trying to say like, but teams are a teams are a reflection of leaders yeah a reflection teams, of their leaders and the head coach inherently is a leader and then when you also lose your biggest leader for the whole season you lose your well i don't i don't know where van der Esch is right now but <laughs> whether he's in or out it changes weekly i swear to god but but you know what i mean like my you, dog you like Go goose leader. is a reflection of of me and how you i lose, how i yeah you lose Dak. your biggest leader on that team is obviously the head coach i agree i agree it does not look good it does not look good in the state of texas well and... things that made us feel bad mike this this uh your yours from the look of it uh, going to make you feel a little better considering how much this team has kicked your team's ass in the past. So uh, what uh, what what did you see that was bad in the NFL this week? 
Man, I tell you what, it's kind of, I don't know if I call it unfortunate to see or like everybody's, you know, smiling behind closed doors, but man, the Patriots got their ass handed to them, didn't they, Colin? Yeah, that was not good. Patriots get blown out by San Fran, 33-6, to 33-6, excuse me. Worst home loss under Bill Belichick and the worst loss points-wise since 08 uh, against the Dolphins. And that was the game that Brady got injured for the year. Cam Newton was benched. He threw three interceptions. Jared Siddham came in and threw another interception to make four total on the game. First time Pats have lost three straight since 02, which is a year they lost four straight. Colin, are we hitting the panic button on the Patriots? And is Tom Brady laughing, 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 laughing his ass off in Tampa Bay right now? All you damn Boston fans who got spoiled in the 2010s with your repetitive championships and shit like that. The chickens are coming home to roost (laughs) and you are going to be enduring some pain for a bit between the Red Sox losing Mookie and this. Your best hope is the Celtics right now. You best hold on for dear life. I don't like what's going on in New England right now. That might change if you get a new quarterback at the helm. I really feel bad on this from a Cam standpoint. I really want Cam to have his renaissance in the NFL. I do too. I do too. This is just bad, man. And you talk it's about the look. injuries that the 49ers have had, especially on defense without Bosa. It, it's not a good look for the Patriots, and I don't really know how they move forward with this. But I mean, they didn't even get a, they didn't even get a touchdown. Like they, uh, yeah, they they had two field goals, two field goals against a ravaged defense. Yeah, I mean, you feel good for at, Jimmy at G. At home, you do. That's fine. You can feel good for Jimmy G, but this is, yeah, yikes. Yeah, do you they're, think, uh, they're taking on the Bills next week, so. It doesn't get any easier. Do you think, Colin, if this continues to go downhill, do you think Bill Belichick is like, ah, ah screw it, I'm out? Like, mm. Or is he so ingrained in proving himself without Brady. I think one year is too quick for Bill fair. to pull trigger on that. If this was like year five and things hadn't really been, it's been a steady decline, unlike this almost sudden feeling decline, I could see that. But no, I think, I think Bill's going to stick it out. I think he's going to find a way to get a great draft pick. I think he's going to find another quarterback. Uh, in that draft I don't know where but in general I think it's all going to work out for the Patriots eventually or at least for Bill Belichick whether that comes in the form of an opportunity elsewhere I don't know but I I don't I I wouldn't be too worried about Belichick right there in New England quite yet yeah we'll have to see how the season plays out but it's not looking good man it's not looking good. I'm hoping Cam Newton can turn it around. Uh, like you said, I, I hope for the Renaissance man to, to do his thing. He's a hard-ass worker, and he loves the game. And It'd be very Belichickian of them to drop three straight games and then beat the division leader, though. Yeah, that's a good point. Just On come out road. and just – Yeah, just come out and drop them. It'd be yeah. interesting. Also, a report I heard today on the Dan Patrick Show. I'm going to – cite my source here they were talking about how stefan gilmore's house is up for sale so you might see a trade coming out of there here pretty soon 
Interesting. Stefan Gilmore. I yeah, mean, he, uh, his house is on the market. So who knows? Might be reading into a little bit of nothing, but that's kind of the first thing. Brady and Brady's trainer's houses going on the market were kind of the first things that clued everybody in on him leaving. Yep. So yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Well, Mike, what, uh, what matchups here in the NFL are you looking forward to this week? Man, you know, we got a few good ones uh, looking over the slate. Very um, few good ones. There's not quite – it's it's a weak slate this week, both in college and the NFL, honestly. Definitely, definitely. Um, what I'm looking forward to um, – let's see. I mean, the Bears and the Saints should be a fun game. The Bears are coming off their second loss of the season. They lost to the Rams in pretty convincing fashion. I believe it was like 24 to 10. And the Saints are coming off um, – their third win in a row. Now, granted, there was a bye week in between um, some of those wins, but regardless, they're coming off three wins in a row. Um, they look like they're they're putting it together pretty well. The Bears, you know, I, like I said, they lost twenty four ten to the Rams. It was a pretty overall just like beat down of a game, but they still are a good team. You know, Nick Foles is, is proven that he can bounce back, and that team. I'm sure it can bounce back. So that should be a fun game to watch. What do you think? I think the Bears need to put Mitchell Trubisky back in. <laughs> oh, God. I couldn't even get it out. I couldn't even get it out with a straight face. Um, <laughs> but Nick's not looking hot right now, you know? No, it, it their offense seems like it's definitely taking a step back. And I said it last week, the Bears are the worst 5-1 f- and one team I've ever seen. Yeah. You agreed. Yeah, it's it's so surprising that they did beat the Buccaneers, though. I mean, I look at the Saints wins you were talking about, however. Carolina, Los Angeles Chargers, and then the Detroit Lions. All of them close games. That's three teams that they should probably are middle of the pack. Beat. Yeah. That's three kind of middle-of-the-pack teams this year, it seems like. And – Chargers only middle of the pack because of their division kind of stacked. Um, but I don't know, man. I, I was kind of up on the Bears early on and then started to think it was fake. And then Nick Foles coming in and just not quite doing everything he needs to do. However, they're still in good shape. They're still in good shape for the playoffs. I think uh, – how do I want to put this? I think the Bears are fake. I think the Bears are frauds. Mm-hmm. And even if they do make the playoffs, I think they're going to face someone exponentially better and get shit on. And I think the Saints are teetering that line of where is this season going to go, man? They're, they're right on that line, man. Of are, they, are they about to fall off this way? Are they about to, in a bad way? Or are they about to fall off this way in a good way? You know, The Saints like, are either – beating everybody convincingly or they're like you said on the high on the high wire could go at any minute close games maybe some shootouts here and there you know it's just how yeah and i want them to succeed like i i, I like Drew Brees and i like sean payton but mm-hmm. man you're no offense but like you're running out of time you need to start doing this convincingly but that's the matchup i'm looking forward to this week um just Two teams that are right there, right? They need to take that next step. And I think if either of these teams can convincingly beat the other, mm-hmm. that would help them 
so much for the rest of this season. Um, Who do you so think needs the win more? My initial reaction, my, my jerk reaction would be the Saints. But they're sitting at four and two right now. So then that would be four and three. The Bears would be five and three if they lost. Or six and two. Yeah, I think the Saints, I stick with it. I stick with my, my, my initial answer. I think the Saints need this more. I think the Saints solely because you got to keep up with the Bucks now. Even though exactly. you got that one win on them early in the season, I think you got to keep up with the Bucks now. And I think you're right. More important for the Saints. Saints are favored four points uh, in Chicago. Interesting matchup. Interesting matchup. Definitely. I do have, before I let you go, Colin, I do have some honorable, some honorable mentions that I'll go through real quick um, for interesting matchups I have for this slate of NFL games. Man, I'm interested in the Chiefs Jets and the Bucks and the Giants. And Colin, I'll tell you why. It's very fascinating. It's very riveting. I'm really just interested in how many points that the New York football teams are going to combine to lose by this week. So <laughs> we'll, uh, We'll see. I think the Chiefs are going to demolish the Jets. It's not going to be fair. And I think that Bucks offense just keeps clicking and just keeps rolling over the Giants. And no way in hell that Daniel Jones can keep up with that. Okay, I got, I got a doozy for you here. The Bucks are 10.5-point favorites against the Giants. The Chiefs are 19.5-point favorites against the Jets. Who do you feel more comfortable on covering? The Chiefs. I think that Jets team is absolutely abysmal. And the Giants have shown that they can play football. <clears throat> the Giants have shown that they, they can play a good football game. And the Bucks have also shown that they can have off games. So it can be a little closer than, than, than we thought. I still think the Bucks pull that out. But I think the Chiefs are just going to run train all over the Jets. The Jets look like a JV football team out there, and it's pathetic. Yeah, the Jets are definitely that target team this year of the – could Alabama beat this terrible NFL team this season? <laughs> they're, they're that target for that stupid – They're the auto, the auto W on everyone's schedule right now. I agree. I agree with that. One side matchup I want to mention before I get to my feature matchup is Dolphins-Rams. Tua getting the start for the first time as a rookie. Of course, we're throwing uh, what we see as a fragile quarterback at Aaron Donald in that defensive front once again. Mike, are you, are you worried for Tua, or how do, you, how do you see this playing out? I think the Dolphins need to be careful. I, don't, I didn't like this decision in the first place, and I don't think you liked it either. Hmm. Um, I think they need to be real careful. I think they need to get the ball out of his hands, hand it off. Do not make him win you. The, try to make you win the game. Do not make him try to do it all because, hey, he got hurt a few times at Alabama. Aaron Donald is no college defensive lineman. Aaron Donald is a grown-ass man who is arguably the strongest person in the entire league. And, yeah, they need to be careful. We talk about Aaron Donald's size so often, but I have to say those awkward post-Monday Night Football interviews where Lisa's standing in like the first row and they're looking up mm -hmm. at her, 
Aaron Donald's the first one where it looks like he's just looking straight ahead. Exactly. When they had Derek, or, yeah, when they had Derek Carr on there, it looked like he was just staring up. That might be due to the height of the wall, but Aaron Donald just looked like he was staring straight ahead. He's a man, and, and you're right. I, I I agree. They just need to be a little careful there. That 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 uh, Dolphins O line has not been great this year. So mm-hmm. amen. I agree. Now my featured matchup: Steelers Ravens. Two great defenses. Baltimore has allowed the fewest points in the NFL. Pittsburgh has given up the fewest yards. And then, of course, the Steelers coming off the big win against the Titans with that missed field goal at the end. Offense, you know, hit and miss here and there. Uh, Ravens offense still trying to find that spark from last season. But this game setting up to be a fun one. Hopefully these offenses can find it and maybe these defenses have a bit of an off day. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned uh, the Ravens offense trying to find its spark from last season. You know who else is trying to find its spark from last season? My fantasy team, because Lamar Jackson's my starting quarterback, and he has not done it for me this year. Okay, Colin? I need him to step it up. He has not put up 300 total yards this year. Let's just say I am not going to defend the title this year. I won it last year. It's not going to happen this year, even with drafting Lamar Jackson. But – now, I think this game, in, on a serious note, is going to be a really good one. I think both teams are going to come to play. Um, the Steelers being the last undefeated team of the league, obviously. And the Ravens have only lost, what, they've only lost one game, so it's not like they're... To the Chiefs. Yeah, exactly. And so, I think, <clears throat> like you said, just based on the implications of this game alone, I think both teams are going to come to play some real hard-nosed, like, North-style, like, cold football. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, the Ravens got to worry about the uh, the Browns clipping at their heels if they give up a loss here this week to the Steelers. And, of course, they pull two games ahead of anybody behind them. I, this is a big game when it comes to these playoff implications in a very strong division. Yeah, I mean, with the emergence of the Browns this year, I mean, they, they look a lot. They look like the team we've been expecting to see for the last, like, year or two, and they, it looks like they finally put it together. And not to take – this conversation away from the Steelers and the Ravens, but, you know, maybe losing OBJ will allow Baker to distribute the ball to his weapons evenly. Um, I don't get that. I, I think, I think all that that stat says, cause that stat was specifically targeting OBJ versus other receivers. And I think that's just OBJ taking the toughest defender and doing what could he be, can. Yeah. That's fair. Speaking of receivers, Colin, how do you feel about your boy, Mr. Cowboy, Mr. Dez? Mr. Dez caught at Bryant joining the uh, practice squad of the Ravens. I don't know. I hope he does well. And that's a quarterback that can get you the ball. I, I mean, I hope he does well. And it'd be cool to see Dez get a ring. But I'm not expecting a whole lot from him. Yeah, for sure. Cool. I mean, you know, just a little random tidbit I wanted to throw in there. But, you know, with your marquee matchup, How do you see this one playing out? Baltimore's a four-point favorite, but I could see the Steelers winning this one easily. I think it's going to be a – not. I mean, like, I could – the possibility of seeing it is easy. I got you. Um, I mean, coming off a big win against the Titans, they're carrying that momentum with them. I think, you know, it all comes down to – 
what exactly can you do against these defenses? Because like we've talked about, these offenses aren't playing the best football, and they're going up against two tough defenses this week. Yeah, maybe it turns into a, a defensive game, really low scoring. The over-under is 45 and a half. It's about 22 points apiece. Do you think it goes over or under? I don't know, man, because I think that could either go way over or way under. I don't, there's, there's that middle ground is hard to play. You know what I mean? Like both offenses could click it or both defenses could click it. I don't know. That's a hard one. Life's too short to bet the under. So I'll go over. I agree. Um, I mean, for the most part, I would only bet the over, but 24, 21 is coming up short and I don't know if I see anything above that coming into play for this game. I guess we'll have to wait and see. All right, can't, won't we? That'll be a fun one. That'll be a fun one. Mike, let's move on to some college football. Let's do it, bud. I know we got not a whole lot going on with this one either, but, hey, at least we got some good talking points. There's not a lot to talk about in college football this week, but you know what there is to talk about. What's that? Who? Who who are you talking about? Who? Mac Jones. That's who. Mac Jones. The Alabama quarterback has been setting the league on fire. 78% completion percentage. Almost 2,000 yards so far. 12 touchdowns. That's second in the SEC to Kyle Trask's 14. He had three straight 400-yard games against A&M, Ole Miss, and Georgia, and then put up 387 against Tennessee. Playing against Mississippi State this week, who's given up the fewest yards in the SEC so far this season, but Mississippi State is not looking good, and they have not played offenses like Alabama yet. Man, Mac Jones is Mac Jones real is deal. Mac Jones is the real deal. I don't know what happened. It's kind of weird like that Joe Burrow thing from last year. It was like the transformation between seasons was just so different between what you saw from Mac Jones towards the end of the season last year when he had to come in for Tua versus what we've seen so far this year. And oh, considering wow. the, the weirdness of the offseason, even, even more impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think more than anything, again, granted with the weird season and the weird offseason, whatever, um, I think this really goes to show – for a true like talent at quarterback like Mac Jones is that he was recruited to be things like that. It really goes to show what someone can do when they are given the keys to the Ferrari, right? When it's not like, Hey, you're a backup to is hurt. We need you to come in. It's like, yeah, of course he can come in and win you a game. Or of course he can come in and maybe throw two touchdowns and 150 yards and manage the game. Yeah, of course you can do all that. You hand him the keys to the Ferrari and say, hey, this is your show now. He's going to be like, all right, bet. Clearly, that's exactly what he's doing. And he's going off and he's able to show his full arsenal instead of just like, all right, let me get through the game until Tua comes back. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And on a side note, with the way Mississippi State's been playing, for them giving up the fewest yards in the SEC so far this season, that's interesting. I think that stat goes out the window this week. Um Alabama's looking like a well-oiled machine. So, well, you know, considering the uh, the amount of turnovers that Bulldog offense has now, thinking about it as the fewest yards makes sense because they have a shorter field to go down. Yikes! 
yikes, you did it to him. Um, well, I will, I will add at this note. I did logic to him, Michael. I did logic. <laughs> so we'll have to see if Alabama's like Georgia or like Clemson, where it's rinse, wash, repeat, next man up, next five-star recruit up, and they usually do just as good of a job. But losing Jalen Waddell for the season is going to be huge. He was their obviously their number one guy, uh, their number one receiver. So, mm-hmm. um, but again, next guy up. I'm sure they'll be just fine. Um, that was another one of those son of it to Najee Harris injuries. Yeah, first opening kickoff. <clears throat> yeah, that sucks. But you know, who knows? Maybe instead of Mac Jones going off for five touchdowns against Mississippi State, maybe it'll be Najee Harris going for two fifty and four TDs on the ground. Like they can do it however they want. It's just depending on what the defense is is looking like that day. So, I Mac agree. Jones. Mike, what are your Mac Jones for Heisman? Yes, he has my endorsement right now. He has my endorsement right now. Okay, I'll ride. I'll ride with you on that train. Since I have a Heisman vote to give him, he has my. (laughs) He's your uh, he's your midseason Heisman favorite so far. Yes, yes, man. I tell you what, the presumptive Heisman Trophy winner this season. Moving on to me my segment on what's good for college football. I don't know from a college football perspective, this is good. I don't know if this is a good for him. I think it is good from a college football perspective. It's great from a college football perspective. I don't know if it's good for him, but Colin is Trevor Lawrence for real tossing the idea of playing another year at Clemson to presumptively avoid going number one, number one overall to the Jets. Yeah, it's very good for him if he's avoiding going to the Jets, Michael. It is very good for him if he's avoiding going to the Jets. Okay, what happens when he snaps his leg in half next year? Uh, we're not going to play that game. But I but do agree the with qu- you. There is the risk of injury there. I agree with that. I think Trevor has – I I don't know. I go up and down with Trevor Lawrence all the time where it's like, is everybody completely overhyping this guy or is he the real deal? And then you just see how effortless the missiles he can launch from his arm. Like just right. You're right. His throwing motion is absolutely effortless. I, I mean, I like seeing a college guy hang around an extra year. Granted it doesn't, if it doesn't, impact him from an injury standpoint shout out johnny jk i wish <laughs> um but I, I wouldn't mind seeing trevor stick around as long as he's healthy i of don't want yeah. i don't want to see him go to the jets the jets I, yeah i don't want to see his talent wasted there and there's obviously the argument of like dude it doesn't matter Go get your rookie contract. If you're good enough, you can fix a franchise. Like, okay, fair. And, you know, I, a lot of these rookies have the mindset of, like, I'm going to be the guy. And I respect that. But, you know, hey, go get your rookie contract. Go get your first overall game. contract. Go make your money and then sign a fat contract or get traded somewhere else and make a fat contract. You know, you can set yourself up for life by just going number one overall to the Jets. Like, you can figure it out. But – for college football, it'd be great for, for, and for him to stay another year. I'm sure Dabo Sweeney would love it. Do you know how many quarterbacks have thought that they were going to be the guy to turn the Browns around, and they didn't, and they couldn't? And 
they we started well, with Baker as the one. They very well could have been serviceable quarterbacks at other franchises. Same with the Jets. They're just franchises where – I mean, Carson Palmer, terrific example with the Bengals. Just, 100%. You just go to some of these franchises that are this pit. And I think the Jets are one of them right now. 100%. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I, like, I don't – I think the – Oh, I'm gonna go to a franchise and be the guy that fix it. I think that's a fairy tale from the quarterback standpoint. It's like, dude, just stop. Like, look in the mirror and be like, no, I need to go somewhere else. I mean, you saw it almost happen with uh, what? Uh, it was uh, Eli Manning when he was like, no, I'm not gonna come play for you, whoever he was drafted mm-hmm. by the Chargers, right? Chargers, yeah. He was like, no, I'm not gonna do it because he looked at his future and was like, absolutely not. And that's and not look, even it, one of those franchises with that. No, but it turned out well for him, you know. And can Trevor Lawrence do it without 10 five-star recruits next to him? That's the other thing with it is, I mean, shit, dude. If I'm Trevor Lawrence, honestly, I'm like, let's get a natty this year and I'll go like eight and four next year. And just tank a little (laughs) bit? Yeah, tank my draft status a little bit because he's going to get drafted in the first round. It's just a matter of where. I don't know. I think regardless, he goes one overall, bro. <laughs> kinda, like, yeah, yeah. Regardless, no matter what so. he does. I think so. I hope that somebody can make a terrible trade that is a good franchise to get him. Yeah. I hope the Jets make a very good trade getting a lot of draft picks. That's going to screw over a franchise in the future, but they'll recover. because they're Yeah, because who knows if they're ready to move off from Sam Darnold yet. You know, they may still want to stick with him. Yeah. That's another guy too, where it's like I kind of wish he'd just get a shot somewhere else. Like, yeah, you know, There's, we could we could have a whole episode on quarterbacks we wish had a shot somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, that's what I have good for the for college football itself is Trevor Lawrence. We might get him. We might get Goldilocks for another year. All right, Mike. Well, there's a bit of good with those performances to talk about, but what was uh, what was bad for you in college football this week? You know. <sighs> It's really unfortunate. You know, I I wish I could talk about specific, like, play on the field or, you know, a specific game. But it's a little bit bigger than that, Colin. Um, Unfortunately, we've already seen COVID hit programs rampant, like Florida. They're even – they're still testing positive, which is unfortunate. Um, But it's now hit the big – at the Big Ten, and – with the Big Ten having such a shortened schedule, like they don't have a whole lot of room for error. We talked about this in, in some of our beginning episodes before they released their schedules and before they decided to play football. Um, so this means canceling games uh, instead of postponing games. This could obviously have a lot of playoff implication, implications. You know, we expect Ohio State to just run their table and make the playoff, but you know, what happens if, if they have to cancel a game, something like that. Um, but in spe- like to be specific, Wisconsin quarter, Wisconsin's quarterback Grand Mertz, uh, he goes off in their opening game. Ninety-five percent completion percentage. I think it was like twenty-one of twenty-two passes, five touchdowns, sets records for both of those games as a redshirt freshman. Then he tests positive. Then another QB in their QB room tests positive. Jack Cohn, their presumptive starter from last year, he is out with a foot foot injury all year. So they're four string. Great football name, by the way, Colin. Danny Vandenboom <laughs> to start his first ever game. Um, you know, we'll, if we'll they see how play it, next week. 
If they correct if they play next week. Yeah. Um, they, oh goodness, there was another. I'm sorry, it's slipping my mind, but someone just shut down their facilities mm. uh, for a little bit. But as we know, as we've talked about before, any t- positive tests in the Big Ten requires an immediate 21-day uh, quarantine, uh, you know, stop from football. So these guys are out for the next three weeks, and I think that's going to majorly affect how Wisconsin plays football. So, Colin, what are your thoughts on that? And I think I heard Wisconsin on that third week, the first two weeks would not have been that big a deal if they were playing this week. And then next week, I, I don't believe the game is too serious. But the week after that, I believe Wisconsin's set to take on Michigan. Man, I if, if I'm the Big Ten, why don't I just say let's push back conference championship week a couple of weeks and buy us a few weeks to copy and paste games that we have to suspend? Is that, is that out of the complete realm of possibility? I don't think it is, and I think it's something that now that it's affecting them, they're absolutely behind closed doors talking Should about. Should definitely they, be talked about. They came out straight up and said today that Wisconsin's next game against Nebraska is canceled. Like, they said the word canceled. They did not say postponed. So it was like, what led them? Because you've heard, you know, with the SEC or the Big 12, this and the other, it's always postponed, always postponed, it's always postponed. Mm-hmm. They said mm-hmm. straight up canceled. So what went into them using that? terminology you know what I mean you gotta think the performance of Nebraska this week went a bit into that if it was like Michigan this week if it was Wisconsin Michigan set up for this week you have to think that that would not have been straight up hands down canceled yeah, I think the, the matchup plays a bit like of a mean part. anything man what like where where to go from here I think one, the college football playoff committee needs to be a bit flexible. Two, I feel like you got to open up space somewhere. You just have to find a spot to open up. Yeah, you have to have. Which, if you do it, and, and the earlier you do it, the more you can shift other things. So, if you want to make, if you want to maintain the sanctity of the last week of the season being rivalry week or whatever, you can make that change now and shift those game those games that are set to play on that week before conference championship week but you can mm-hmm. open up some space to fix this yeah absolutely and that just goes back to my the point i made a second ago of they did not allow themselves room for error and literally that's what in, we've been saying since the schedule came out and you know? week it's not like it's week six no week nope. one there is error and I'm sure, like it, it's biting them. It's biting them in the ass. It's biting them in the ass. And you just wish they held fast. You know, that's what yeah. it's. I will say this. Say you know, say what you want about how how the South prioritizes football over public safety, whatever. You know, say what you want about that. But with the SEC just not making moves, just holding steady until the start of the season when at the time things looked like they were doable things might have changed a little bit now who knows we're making it so far but for the sec to just kind of hold steady just hold on don't make any decisions until you have to and i think the big 10 and the pac 12 just kind of jumped the gun when the ivy league did you know, and I think another 
I think it's like a direct, this is like a piggyback on what you're saying. It's, it's a direct consequence. The SEC holding firm in, hey, we're going to see how this thing plays out, right? That gave them more time. Like, like the decision to, this is a total like theoretical statement, but the decision to cancel a football season theoretically is literally like the commissioner being like, nope, we're done, right? It's boom, it's that quick, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The well, I think like the make, board of presidents has to vote on some shit or yeah, whatever. But. but relatively speaking, I would assume it, it's fairly quick if we're, if we're at that stage. Yeah. The SEC holding fast and holding firm allowed them to preemptively start making some of these guidelines and some of these rules and regulations and how they wanted to go about a football season with COVID, right? So they're almost as if they are more prepared for this. The Big Ten and the Pac-12, obviously we, have, we don't know how the Pac-12 is going to play out, but... <clears throat> The Big Ten canceling, boom, done. And then, like, how much longer later we're like, nope, we're going to play, boom, here's everything. It's almost like it was so rushed that they didn't get it right. It's almost like they weren't expecting this to happen. And, like, you know, that's, that's, that's the most ignorant thing you can possibly think. It's like, yeah. Again, say what you want about the South and prioritizing football, wherever. They at least prepared in their schedule for this to happen. Like they Correct. at least weren't. That's what I'm saying. They were. They were more prepared. There was maybe. more. There yeah. was more thought process yeah. put okay. put yeah, in yeah, behind yeah. it. You know, there yes, was more exactly. thought put into it instead of like, oh, uh, we're gonna play football now and everything's gonna be perfect and okay, cool, boom, here we go, let's go, let's go. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. week one, they're like, oh shit. And they just you, think it's a bad look on the Big Ten. What do you think? Yeah, it is a bad look on the Big Ten. It's it's certainly a situation they're going to have to figure out how to handle. And I think their decision, their handling of it will have great implications on what I'm about to ask next. But how do you think the Pac-12 is feeling right now as a whole? Um, like the first week the big 10 has a restart schedule something's already happened even before that the purdue stuff i mean they had purdue had a, a small outbreak within the team before they even played they, the first game they played their first game without their starting wide receiver and their head coach Jeez. and beat iowa and beat iowa i'm sure the the pac-12 is not feeling great but then again it's almost like the Pac-12 is didn't even seemed, sorry, didn't even seem as rushed at the as the Big Ten did. Mm, I don't know, man. They seem pretty rushed. I think the benefit of when the Pac-12 is two less teams, not this weekend, but next weekend. And two less teams. Yeah. In who? Just two less teams in general. They have twelve teams. Oh where yeah, the Big Ten has yeah. fourteen. Maybe one less one uh, seven game schedule versus maybe this maybe the Big Ten's fuck up allows the Pac twelve to take a step back and be like oh let's tweak yeah let's tweak some things so we don't run into this as well and then man I tell you what if uh, the Pac twelve is going to have COVID problems it is inevitable everyone is yeah the SEC has handled it pretty well for okay well Florida Florida's seems like they're kind of out of control right now for a conference to have experience the outbreaks they have they've handled it 
decently well. The point I'm trying to make is when this is all said and done, I can see like the Big Ten looked the absolute worst before all this, and I can see them looking the absolute worst after all this, and that doesn't bode mm-hmm. well for them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Hopefully, they can find some uh, flexibility there. Hopefully, the college football playoff is willing to be flexible. I hope they are. Um, well, Mike, from a conference that might be out of the playoff for circumstances it cannot control to a conference that's going to be out of the playoff for a whole different reason. I am down on the Big 12. It is not a good time to be a Big 12 fan. Their playoff chances are dwindling. And, yes, Oklahoma State's case got stronger this week when they beat Iowa State. But the Big 12 is down to two teams with with fewer than two losses in Kansas State and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, of course, beating Iowa State. Kansas State, of course, beating Kansas. Oklahoma State's got Texas next week. That's no walk in the park. That's that game's always uh, tough for either team. No, I don't know, man. That that game is tough for either team. And then you're talking about how, you know, all season we've kind of questioned Oklahoma State's validity. And then you combine that with Texas getting a win, granted, against Baylor, a team we know very little about. I think this will be a very good indication of how real Oklahoma State is. Granted, it's not like they're playing like Bama or they're playing like a top five team. They are playing Texas, but you are right. I mean, Texas is a good enough football team to be a tough test for anybody. So I think this will be a good indication of where Oklahoma State really is in terms of their chances of doing this in the Big 12 and making the playoff. Do they feel like the last chance, or does Kansas yeah, State I don't, still have some life there? No, I, I, and this is, please, I mean, no offense to Kansas State, I really don't, but I, yeah, Oklahoma State's the Big 12's only, only option. I think if Kansas State finishes the rest of the season undefeated, I think they get in just based off of principle. If every Big 12 team gathers two losses, I think they're done. Yeah. I agree with that. Big time. Because you'll be you'll have presumptively Ohio State, Clemson, mm-hmm. and I don't Alabama. see Alabama and an SEC school to be named clipping on your heels. Yeah. That has or, a good argument for being another t- an SEC team in the or yeah. Georgia beating Alabama in the SEC title game. That would automatically give you two SEC schools. Yeah. No doubt in my mind. Because I don't see anyone from the Pac-12. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think Oklahoma State's the only – and the only reason I say Oklahoma State is the only chance for the Big 12 is because they're already number six in the country. If they were, like, however many games Mm -hmm. they've played Mm -hmm. and, like, number, I don't know, 19, whatever, just insert a number that's not – six we would not be having this conversation but they're already there they're already up there they're within two spots of the playoff if they can finish it out yeah they make it what's kansas state ranked they're like in the middle teens i believe so that's what i'm saying is they're not respected enough to be up there with the top 10 
That yeah. that's the that's the point I'm trying to make is they're not sexy, and I like your your point that you made just based off principle alone making it into the into the playoff. I like that point. I just don't know if that's how it's going to play out. It makes sense in a perfect world, but this is all politics. Yeah, you got. I mean, they've already got their win against Oklahoma, so the more Oklahoma surges throughout the rest of the season, the better. And then Correct. you think that. There, it's obviously going to be a rematch in the in the title game. So you're going to have whether you have if it's Kansas State, you have to beat Oklahoma State or Oklahoma twice. I think that also solidifies your case. I think, like I said, if you win out and you're Kansas State, they're just going to let you. They're going to let you in based off of principle, and I have no problem with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm totally fine with a little bit of shakeup. Now, if Oklahoma State picks up a loss, I don't know where we head. Mike, let's move on to any matchups you feel like talking about this week. You got one for me? Yeah, I'm actually going to stick to the Big Ten theme this year, or this year, uh, this week. I'm looking at Ohio State, Penn State. Man, Ohio State rolled Nebraska. That was an embarrassing performance from Nebraska. Obviously, it's what we expected from Ohio State. Uh, They just look like they're well-oiled machine. They haven't missed a freaking beat. Ryan Day's got that team humming. I've never heard a coach apologize for scoring before. Did he? I did not see that. He apologized for his inexperienced quarterback in the post-game press conference, getting into the end zone on the last play of the game. Really? I didn't I I didn't yeah. catch any of the game because I was working, but Well then he apologized publicly, and if I'm Scott Frost, I'm kinda like, hey man, like keep that between us. Don't make me look like a bitch here. A hundred percent, a hundred. Like, yo, chill out. Like, hey, man, like you already did it. Let's not talk about it. Exactly. Like, I'm sure you didn't mean it. I'm sure, like, uh, as from Scott Frost's perspective, I'm sure it's like, ah, I get it, I understand. Then you come out there and say it on national media. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, Penn State's obviously coming off that heartbreaking over overtime loss to the Hoosiers uh, in Indiana on a two-point conversion, very controversial whether he got in or not. Um, we've all seen it a thousand times by now, I'm sure. Uh, James Franklin put out a tweet that literally just said Ohio State probably like 50 times with a bunch of exclamation points. So you know he's pumped. You know he's motivated. You know he's on to the next week. Um, he's moving on from that loss. And I'm sure, you know, more than anything, his team is motivated. I'm sure they're like, hey, that was a shit opening week we should not have lost that game in that type of fashion we're better than that but i don't know if they can get past and the at the same time off. indiana could be better than that 100 indiana looked like a pretty good team i mean they got roasted a time or two defensively but offensively they seem to put it together all game yeah and indiana's coach was asked like hey why the two-point conversion and man i gotta give this guy so much credit and so much respect because i love a coach like this i i I think he's been at indiana since like 2016 or something like that and he's like man so many times in recent years we've been right there we've had a team on the ropes we've been right there we've been a field goal away, a two-point conversion away. we've been right there and ended up losing the game he was like it's opening game we've got number eight right where we want them two-point conversion to win the game i made the call and said let's go for it i went aggressive and it paid off and i obviously if it didn't pay off i'm sure people would be like oh why didn't you just kick Uh the field goal win or lose i respect that 
win or lose, he You're went the underdog out. Underdog against the top ten team, unranked. You're no win or lose. I respect that. A hundred percent. And I heard him in the post game press conference in the in the press conference say that, and I was like, hell yeah, I like that coach. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to get his his players to play for them. They obviously did, but backtracking a little bit. Penn State's going to be looking for some revenge. Ohio State's looking to keep roll, keep rolling towards the playoff. And I, I see. I think it's going to turn into a really good game. I think we see a bit more from Penn State than we expect, based off of that first week loss. Ohio State's an eleven and a half point favorite. Damn. Do you think Damn. that speaks? Do you think that speaks more to what people think of Penn State's loss, or what people think of Ohio State? I think it speaks more to people what people think of Ohio State. If I'm being honest, I'd have to agree with that. I don't think Penn State's that bad of a team. No, I think 100%. that they just got beat. I think they just got beat. Had a bad, had something go the wrong way. You know, there's so many plays in that game where if that play just happens to end up going Penn State's way, it's a ball game. There's so many games like that. Oh, so uh, yeah. I think, I it think just that's shows, a testament. I think I it just – it's separation of Ohio State. Yeah, that line that line has to just be like, Ohio State's going to beat the freaking brakes off of everybody this year, no matter mm-hmm. who's in their way. We're in liked, agreement on that I liked point. what I saw from Ohio State this week for sure. But anyway, what matchups are you looking at, bud? A&M taking on Arkansas. The Southwest Classic, whatever the hell you want to call it. Not in Jerry World for the first time since 2013. Back at Kyle Field for the first time since 2012 when Johnny Manziel ran circles all around the John L. Smith-led Arkansas Razorbacks. It's a different team in Arkansas since that last time. It's a different team in Arkansas since last year. And every year since the Hogs have been losing heartbreaker after heartbreaker to A&M at Jerry World. As an A&M fan, you see the Aggies with a 12-and-a-half-point favorite next to their name. Mike, are you nervous for this one? 100%. Definitely nervous for this. Both of us coming off of a bye week, so it's not like either of us are riding too incredibly high coming into this game to where, you know, one of us is filling ourselves too much or one of us is motivated going into the game. You know, we're both kind of riding in neutral, I feel like. I will say this. I trust Jimbo in this situation of potential trap game coming off a bye week, top 10 in the country. I trust him a lot more than I trust Kevin Sumlin. History, history would argue that on Kevin, on the Kevin Sumlin side of things. Um, And I don't, you know, I, I don't like to compare the two. I did enjoy Kevin Sumlin's time there, but I do agree with you. I I think Jimbo's more well-suited to handle this situation than Kevin Sumlin was. I just really like what they got going on in Arkansas this year. It's, it's been a fun team to watch. Two and two, all by all means, should be three and one uh, after that kind of bit of a controversy there against Auburn. I might just be getting too hyped on Arkansas finding remote success. But – I, they look a lot better. I think Sam Pittman really has this team and this program turned around. It's going to take a little bit more time to really like be. He's any, off to a good start of turning it around. A hundred percent. You yeah. know, it's going to take a little bit longer to do what he needs to do, but, but 
in terms of building that momentum of a program that's going to last for a few years. Like he's off to a great start. And like you said, like I'm, I'm happy for him. Um, I've got a lot of family that lived in Arkansas that all went to Arkansas, always had some sort of a soft spot in my, uh, in my heart. And it's always painful to watch one of those teams just be absolutely railroaded for year after year after year. I but, think this is a circumstance where a new coaching staff helps us. You know, a new coaching staff in Arkansas helps us because yeah, because they're inexperienced in this type of situation. Well, they're they're they didn't experience the heartbreaking losses that A and M has handed that program over the yeah, past. Yeah, it's and they've been years. heartbreaking. I think uh, I think as a program, like obviously the coaches are well aware of their record in the last six or seven years against A and M, so I think they'll use it as some sort of motivation. And but I think Jimbo will also you know, preach of like keeping the foot on the gas and taking the Arkansas Southwest classic away from it. Like Jimbo has his team looking good on all sides of the football. And he needs, he needs to, he needs to treat A&M, not Jimbo. Our football team needs to treat this as a business trip of this. We're not playing Arkansas in Jerry world in the Southwest classic. We're playing an SEC football game, business trip. Let's go in there and let's get the Well, it's done. Kyle Field. It's at Kyle Field. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, we're not playing at Jerry World. It's not fancy. We're not oh, getting all you. hyped and hoopla that we're playing yeah. somewhere else. Yeah. We're playing at home under our lights, business trip. Arkansas is not supposed to win this game. Let's just run it down their throats and not let them get ahead of themselves and – Take care, take care of the game. That's why I think it's a trap game. That, that's why I think this is, could be a trap game. I don't know, man. I've had my eye on this game since Arkansas picked up that first win. I'm intrigued. It's a night game. I'm excited for a Kyle Field night game. I am a bit nervous, but I think I got faith in the boys. I do too. I think we're going to pull this one out. We're going to be talking next week about if how we If we could cover, I would love that. Yeah, that'd be nice. That would make me sleep well at night. Yeah, I would. That would make so me. That would make me feel. I think that would make you and I both feel like pretty validated with our mm-hmm. with our football team. You know what I mean? I absolutely agree. All right, Mike. Time for the closing question. You came up with this one once again, so why don't you go ahead and take it away, man? Cool. Absolutely. So this week, guys, we're gonna do. Lately, the last few weeks we've been recording, we've been doing some rankings of our top threes, you know, getting into some deeper conversation on some of our closing questions. We're going to make a little light, lighthearted this week, do something a little fun. Colin, what is your favorite trophy in sports? It can be championship trophy. It can be for a game. It could be, you know, a rivalry trophy. Doesn't matter what, what is it? It's a trophy that is not really around anymore, Michael. It lives Ooh, a in, little bit of vintage. It lives in the what if of my memories. Um, it might still be handed out, but the ceremony behind handing it out is not there anymore with the college football playoff. And I'm talking about the crystal ball, the national championship trophy in college Ooh, football. One of the prettiest out there that's ever been a thing. And just like the, you're always afraid they're going to drop it, but they don't drop <laughs> it. 
but they'll you know the the lifting it in the air just symbying it and they've tried to do it with the college football playoff one but it's just like an awkward pillar it's that like naturally it's not aesthetically pleasing the same way the crystal ball is oh man so many nights on ncaa football insert year here seeing my created coach raise that crystal ball trophy for AM and then never seeing AM really do it themselves. Hopefully they'll raise that college football championship tr- or playoff trophy one day. Uh, but yeah, it's the crystal ball, man. It's the, <clears throat> it's the culmination of my favorite sport. Uh, just it's the ceremony of, of being on top at the end of it all. What about you? So mine, um, I'm going to go with more of a historical trophy. Uh, it's still being handed out today, but um, it was obviously handed out from the very first one to this very last one. And Colin, that is Lord Stanley's Cup, the champion of the NHL. It's got like it. to be one of the coolest trophies in sports. And not only coolest, it's got to be the biggest and heaviest. Because they're always adding to it, and that's one of the cool parts of it. They're always adding to it. And did you, know, Colin, did you know that um, I looked this up uh, this past uh, Stanley Cup final that obviously you're like, well, what happens when the trophy gets full? You know, they just take the bottom ring off and just add, they just basically move it all down a ring, right? Yep. And then yep. the the rings that are taken off are obviously put in like the Hockey Hall of Fame. But the team that wins – you know, wherever their section is on Stanley's cup, mm-hmm. they're allowed to put whatever they want. Really? They can put like, theoretically speaking, they could put only players. They could put captains. They could put players and coaches. They could put the entire coaching staff. They could put, they could put whatever they want. They could put like how the series played out. If I'm not mistaken, I don't know, but that's what makes the trophy cool and unique is oh. that everyone is different. Everything is different on that trophy. Here I was thinking somebody snuck Seymour Butts into the stand. <laughs> hey, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, another honorable mention. I'll let you get an honorable mention in there as well. Um, the, oh, goodness, the, the Indy 500 trophy where all their faces are on the trophy. Mm-hmm. That's another cool one in my opinion. That's another just unique type thing that, like, it's different every time it's handed to someone. Stanley's Cup is different every time it's handed to someone, right? Mm-hmm. It's just cool. And then, like, hosting the cup and kissing it and all the stories and pictures of them drinking out of it, things like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's badass to me. I think if I had to have an honorable mention one, it would be for the opposite of one of the reasons that you just said is because the trophy never changes. And you could say that about the Lombardi trophy as well, but I'm talking about the Larry O'Brien trophy for the NBA finals, a classic. Cause you see every player that has had that championship moment from Bill Russell to Michael Jordan to LeBron James, you all see them with their pictures with that same trophy. And there's it, just, there's something that and there's no need to change it either. Yeah. There's some that captures that moment with that trophy. And dude, I mean, how cool is it? The ball balancing on the rim. What does that signify? Did you keep the ball from going in the rim to win the championship, or did you put the ball in the net to win the championship? 
You got to get philosophical get, with it too. You get Mike. deep on it. There. The ball just doesn't stay there on the <laughs> rim. That's a moment that's captured. Um, hey, a question I wanted to ask you about a trophy. How do you feel? I personally think it's cool. It seems a little fragile to me, but I think it's cool just because it's really unique. What do you think about the commissioner's trophy for the World Series champion? It's unique. And, and what do the flags represent? I, I, I don't know. I believe – I don't know if I'm right on this, but I believe every flag represents a franchise in the league. Okay. I that think. would make sense. Because I, I think they made it bigger with expansion and whatnot. I could be wrong on that. But it's all right. There are things with the – like you said, it's fragile. Like with guys dropping it and those flags get all fucked up. I don't know if they replace them or whatever, but it's all right. It's not pretty to me. Like, I think the Larry O'Brien's pretty. I think the crystal yeah. ball is pretty. Yeah, I think the Lombardi attractive. is pretty. Yeah. I just it's feel like someone's going to lose an eye. Yeah, right? <laughs> they're going to start tossing that thing around when they're drunk and someone's going to get stabbed. You can't drink out of it. It would just all go through the flagpoles. Like, you, <laughs> you know, what are you going to do with it? Can't drink out of the Lombardi. Can't drink out of the Larry O'Brien. You can uh, you can luge off the Larry O'Brien, though, I guess. That little you can definitely luge off the Lombardi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a fun one. That was a pretty good one. All right, yeah, Mike. for sure. You ready to do a close-up shop here? Let's do it, man. Let's let's wrap it up. It was a good episode. All right, man. Well, why don't you tell the people where you can be followed? Cool. Absolutely. Well, it's me, your boy, the Candyman, Mike and Ike 55. That is Mike, M-I-K-E underscore N underscore I-K-E 55, both on Twitter and Instagram. Captain underscore yours truly. C Payne, T Payne, my man. Where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at CPayne012, on Instagram at C.Payne012. And then, of course, you can follow the podcast at Cooler Heads Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe and leave us a review. Also, tell a friend. All right, Mike, we'll talk to you later, man. All right, boss. You have a wonderful night. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Peace, guys.